Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show, your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations. Hey, everyone out, Megyn Kelly. Welcome to The Megyn Kelly Show. Oh, my gosh, we have so much to get over today. We, we are excited to go through all of the info flowing in as the dam has officially broken on the Hunter Biden story. Every day now, There are major new developments involving the president's son. And I'll tell you why this is happening, because the mainstream media has figured out the guy's going to be indicted. And they ran to the story late to the party to try to cover their butts on it, saying, oh, we've reported on it. We've reported on it Um, because there are nothing to see here. Responses to all of this from the White House are not going to fly once Hunter Biden gets indicted, which really very much looks like it's about to happen. In just the past 24 hours, we have learned that the man who gave the info from Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop to the media and to lawmakers, not the not the guy, not the legally blind computer fixer, but this other guy who had it and he gave it to the media and he gave it to lawmakers. That guy has reportedly fled to Switzerland. He's worried about his safety and his ability to live. And now he's threatening to release even more information from the hard drive he holds. He says he's found thousands of deleted files that have not yet been reported on. Plus, Fox News is now reporting that in 2017, Joe Biden, Mr. I've never spoken to Hunter about any of his overseas businesses, wrote a college recommendation letter for the son of one of Hunter's Chinese business partners. That's chummy. Uh, He wrote it to Brown University, according to Fox. They reached out to Brown University directly to the chancellor there, who um, is is allegedly allegedly to whom he addressed the letter. And Fox asked her whether she had received it and she won't comment. (laughs) She's not going to get away with that. We're going to find out. My first guest today says flat out that President Biden is lying to the American public and has pursued this matter in the face of tons of blowback. But the man will not be stopped. Pure Talk is once again investing in their customers without charging an extra penny because Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in over 50 countries as well. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than the half of what Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile will charge you. If you bring your phone, PureTalk's eSIM technology will make switching so simple. Or you can get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Consider making the switch to PureTalk. Just go to puretalk.com kelly to start saving today. And when you do, you will save an additional 50% off your first month. Again, visit puretalk.com kelly to start saving on wireless at home and abroad. Senator Ron Johnson is a Republican from Wisconsin. Senator, thank you so much for being here. Well, Megan, happy to be here. Man, they've thrown everything at you. They make you sound like a lunatic, conspiracy theorist, nutcase, you know, all of that. Uh, but you and Senator Chuck Grassley have stayed on the Hunter story, refusing to be shamed out of it. And now the New York Times and the Washington Post suddenly say, oh, the laptop actually was verifiable and are pursuing the stories therein. Let me just start with whether you agree with me. The reason they did that well over a year past the election when they all suppressed it and poo-pooed it and dismissed it is something's about to happen to Hunter and they don't want to look stupid. 
Yeah, I'm not sure what the Justice Department is going to do. I'm always a little concerned. I don't trust the investigation. Uh, but I completely agree with you that uh, what the New York Times and Washington Post are doing is a CYA. Uh, I, I've been saying that they've learned well from their coverage of Nixon's Watergate scandal, where those co-conspirators uh, employed the modified limited hangout. Uh, that's an intelligence uh, operation where you just, when you're caught in a lie, when you're caught in a cover-up, you provide a little bit of truth to just get past the moment. And I think that's exactly what uh, the major news outlets are doing. They're, they're not giving us the whole truth, not by a long shot. They're still not taking this overly seriously. They're doing this just because they have to. And they are very quick to point out no involvement of Joe Biden, no proof Joe Biden knew of any of this. And I would say there's no smoking gun on Joe Biden, but there's certainly circumstantial evidence that he was helping his son and that he knew very well his son was involved in these sketchy overseas business dealings. So I just want to go through it with you because uh, you truly you're the expert. Um, this is from Andy McCarthy, who's got a great piece out today in National Review called Does Hunter Biden Face Indictment? And as always, he's you can take him to the bank. He writes that Hunter has a penchant for landing big paydays in corrupt and authoritarian countries where his father wielded influence over American policy. Now, that is true. Um, and he goes on to say the following regime connected characters in countries where Joe Biden played point man on Obama administration policy had a curious habit of paying gargantuan sums of money to his inexperienced unaccomplished son, even as Hunter's life spun out of control in a maelstrom of alcoholism and drug abuse, a broken marriage, an affair with his brother's widow, an affair with a stripper who won a paternity suit against him, a new wife whom he married six days after they began dating, financial woes, an investigation involving his having lost a handgun and tainted transactions that have resulted in felony convictions of his closest business associates. Point being, these guys paid him for access, not because of his special management skills. Very clear. So, You've been going through it. And as I understand it, it's Ukraine, it's Russia, it's China, the three places where he had these sketchy connections. Um, let's start in Ukraine. It's Burisma, essentially, right? Does it go beyond the fact that this oil and gas company hired him and paid him 50 grand a month to sit on the board? A guy who had no oil and gas experience, Hunter Biden? Well, that's certainly one of them. We also had this made by Oda. Uh, company that uh, there's some connection in terms of trying to raise financing for this company that apparently uh, is, was involved in the bio labs in Ukraine. But, uh, you know, the, the main charges, the main conflict of interest had to do with Burisma. And Megan, what's interesting is if you put, look at the timeline of this, uh, the Ukrainians had their revolution of dignity in February of 2014. This is right about the time that Hunter Biden's really cracking the code on how to cash in on his on his dad's position and the family name. Uh, within two months, Devin Archer, uh, Hunter Biden's business partner, who's now a convicted felon, met with Joe Biden in the White House. Now, you realize, you know, a meeting with a sitting vice president in the White House, that's kind of a big deal. Not everybody gets to uh, uh, have that uh, type of connection. Devin, Hunter, Devin Archer did get that meeting. Uh, five days later, uh, Joe Biden jets off to Ukraine, is named the point person for the Obama administration dealing with Ukraine. A day after that, Devin Archer is named to the board of Burisma. Uh, a few days after that, you have uh, the owner of Burisma. He has about $23 million of his assets seized in London because he's corrupt. A couple of weeks after that, lo and behold, Hunter Biden joins the board. So when you take a look at you know, how much activity, by the way, they're also doing the, uh, uh, the communications and deals with the a wife of the former mayor of Moscow in the same time frame in, in April 2014. So th these were some 
busy little beavers here vacuuming up dollars, cash, based on uh, the Biden name and Vice President uh, Biden's position. And this is all obvious. this is all while Joe Biden is the sitting vice president, because we'll get to China, but they try to excuse everything that was done with China as well. He was a private citizen, private citizen, private citizen, none of your business. And it's of course, it's in between his term as vice president and when he was already forming, um, you know, the, all the committees and so on necessary to run for president, of course, a position that he now holds. So it's not. It's not as simple as like Megyn Kelly, private citizen. It's it's a lot more complex. But with Ukraine, he was in office. Yes. And, uh, you know, Hunter's businesses and he has all kinds of different businesses. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, Hunter got this directly. All this money is is uh, and I'll say laundered through his businesses. And, uh, you know, they, they go they flow from one business to another business. And it's just very hard to track. Uh, but th- all this happened while uh, Joe Biden was vice president and was the point person. It, it gave uh, individuals in the State Department all kinds of fits. George Kent was was relatively uh, upfront in, in saying that, uh, you know, that conflict of interest was a problem for policymakers in Ukraine because U.S. policy toward Ukraine was primarily to help them rid the country of corruption. That, that's what the, the whole uh, revolution of dignity was about. Was the Ukrainian people sick of the legacy of corruption under a Soviet uh, a domination, and they wanted to shed themselves of it? So they had a revolution, and lo and behold, you got Vice President coming in there, having his son join these boards. Uh, absolutely a corrupt deal, and so obviously it was very difficult for uh, U.S. policymakers to really accuse Ukrainians of corruption when you've got the Vice President uh, jetting in there. Uh, his son taking advantage of the situation is very uncomfortable. Uh, but again, the mainstream media just looked the other way and said, there's nothing, nothing to see here, nothing illegal here, mm-hmm. uh, just something incredibly sleazy. And if I'm not mistaken, there's evidence of the number three Burisma official coming to the White House and visiting with Joe Biden. And when confronted with this during the campaign, Mr. Biden's people said, oh, well, there's no White House log of the meeting. <laughs> it's like, well, that's not the kind of meeting you would put down, um, but they didn't deny that it happened. Well, that's also the kind of information the deep state hides as well. But you said the New York Times uh, and the Washington Post said there's no evidence. There's all kinds of evidence. And I, I would say it's more than circumstantial. I mean, you have eyewitness testimony by Tony Bobolinsky, who met with Joe Biden. Now, that meeting was about their business arrangement, this uh, investment firm that was going to uh, Hoover and funds from China, Joe Biden met with Tony Bobulinski. Tony Bobulinski says that Joe Biden was compromised. You have all these photos with Joe Biden meeting with Hunter Biden's business associates. I mean, how can you say there's no evidence? There's all kinds of evidence. But but the only thing we don't have is a confession from uh, President Biden. Uh, He's just lying. I don't know why anybody would, would ever believe him because he's lied repeatedly that he never talked to Hunter about his overseas businesses. We have Amos Hochstein that uh, uh, told a pretty convincing story that almost certainly proved that uh, Joe Biden had to talk to Hunter because he arranged meetings uh, on this conflict of interest in Ukraine. So again, there's there's all kinds of evidence right here. Uh, so it, at least President, with respect President to- lying. At least with respect to Ukraine and China, there is evidence that Joe Biden was personally involved. Again, the White House tries to dismiss all of China by saying private citizen at that time, private citizen. I don't know how you excuse the meetings 
with Ukraine. They're trying to deny some of them, as I say, well, not on the White House log. That's not a denial. That's a non-denial denial. denial. Uh, And there are other uh, interactions between Joe Biden and Hunter's Ukrainian pals at the time. He was getting 50 grand a month. Again, the guy knew nothing about oil and gas, absolutely no oil and gas expertise. And yet they paid him that amount to sit on this board. Clearly a pay for access relationship. And yet here is Joe Biden. This is a montage soundbite two, um, making very clear this is from Fox News that you know he wants us to believe he's never discussed the Hunter business deals. Mr. Vice President, how many times have you ever spoken to your son about his overseas business dealings? I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I have never discussed with my son or my brother or anyone else anything having to do with their businesses, period. And what I will do is the same thing we did in our administration. There will be an absolute wall between personal and private uh, and, and, and the government. Do you stand by your statement that you did not discuss any of your son's overseas business? Yes, I stand by that statement. All right. So how do we know that's not true? Because I, I understand meetings could just been glad handing. Could it just been a courtesy? You know, hi, how you doing? I'm the vice president. Bye. Um, what proof is there that they actually discussed business dealings? Well, again, sh- short of a confession by the co-conspirators, uh, I guess you're not going to have proof, but you have such in, you know, strong circumstantial evidence that, uh, they're, they're, I mean, there's no way. I mean, he's a, there's a father and a son. Uh, how, how is his son getting all this money? How's he le- leaving, uh, living this lifestyle? There's, there's all kinds of uh, proof in terms of uh, Joe trying to help him out financially when he's uh, you know, holed up in a, in a hotel with uh, you know, his lady friends. So no, there's all kinds of evidence coming out of the, the laptop. There's probably a lot more evidence when you come out of that laptop. It's just that the mainstream media doesn't want to authenticate it. And that's part of the problem. If, if the mainstream media doesn't bless it, uh, I guess the evidence doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I just reject, reject that notion. Well, didn't they ride together on Air Force Two to Beijing? And then Hunter Biden got some windfall out of Beijing, like very soon thereafter. Can you can you tell us about that? Oh, that was the commitment to set up this this large investment fund. Uh, and I, I believe there's a photograph of them uh, or at least reports of them. Uh, Vice President Biden shaking hands on the tarmac with the, one of the Hunter's business associates. So, again, you know, Megan, I, I don't know all the details. Uh, it's kind of hard to track this down. We've, you know, we've asked for bank records. And now we've gotten bank records to verify the transactions we we got from the United States Treasury, which we based our report on. Uh, but I'll tell you who does know all the details: Chinese intelligence, Russian intelligence. My guess, probably Iranian and, and uh, North Korean intelligence. I think even probably elements within our own uh, federal law enforcement agencies and our own. U.S. intelligence agencies probably know as well. They're just not going to tell the American public. They're not going to tell members of Congress. They're going hmm. to keep that hidden deep in the deep state. Well, look, if he was riding an Air Force Two, correct me if I'm wrong, but he must have been the sitting vice president when at least that piece of Hunter's Chinese windfall went down. Yeah, he was. No, th- these things were occurring while Joe Biden was in office. And we still don't know whether uh, Hunter Biden is uh, disentangled himself from some of his financial arrangements. Right now, he's living pretty high in the hog, uh, you know, $20,000 a month, the pad on Malibu, forcing the Secret Service to rent a $30,000 a month uh, home so they can protect him. You, you, again, you would think somebody who's under such scrutiny for grifting 
uh, for this kind of corruption might keep a low profile. Uh, they're brazen about this because they can pretty well count on the mainstream media to cover up for them. Mm-hmm. So, OK, there's this investment fund and, and that Hunter was allowed to open up uh, thanks to this Chinese licensure deal that he struck right after flying over with his dad, the sitting vice president. That was one great thing that happened for him in China. That doesn't happen again for just any Joe Schmo. Apparently, it's a very hard permission slip to get. He got it cut within less than a week after flying over there with his dad, the vice president. But then China. And I guess we'll let's, let's spend one minute on Moscow before we jump to China, because Moscow, as far as I understand, the, the crux of that allegation is that the widow of the former mayor of Moscow paid a Hunter Biden controlled and owned company um, three point five million dollars. Do I have it correct? Correct. And then uh, further invested into uh, businesses that certainly Devin Archer was involved in uh, in terms of real estate ventures in uh, in the U.S., and there, there are reports that ten, tens of millions of dollars in investment from that standpoint as well. But we, now, we, we, what we tracked in our deal is a $3.5 million payment to Rosemont Zeneca Thornton. Which is controlled by Hunter. It's, it's a business we believe he started. He also started, again, he has so many different businesses, it's kind of hard to keep track of all of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that was the allegation made. Do you believe that he, he received the windfall from that or not, the $3.5 million? Oh, I, I certainly believe so. I, you know, again, I, I think it's pretty easy to trace about at least thirteen million dollars that went pretty directly into businesses that Hunter Biden controlled. It's by the way, it's one of the reasons uh, Tony Bobulinski stepped forward after our report. He realized that the five million dollars that was supposed to be invested in their joint venture, Sinohawk, actually went to uh, uh, eventually into Owasco, which is uh, Hunter Biden's uh, more, more directly controlled business, and that pretty well ticked off Tony Bobulinski, which is why he came forward. Yeah. He was like, hey, the China deal was a lot better than anybody let me in on. Where's my piece of that five million? And he turned on them. Okay, but before we leave Moscow, so you've got I mean, three point five million dollars is a big number coming from uh, the former mayor's wife or the the mayor's widow to Hunter. You've got the fifty thousand dollars a month in Ukraine. Now you've got China and an investment type entity that Hunter owns and controls uh, getting a green light to invest over there. Very lucrative that nobody else would have gotten uh, within a week of him flying over there in Air Force Two. And now you've got and this is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, we don't know the full extent of what happened in Ukraine and elsewhere because he's he's pretty clever at trying to hide a lot of this. But but China, I mean, that his ties in China go deep and virtually everyone he's connected to on the Chinese side, on his side, has either been accused of or convicted of fraud uh, or it's conveniently on the Chinese case disappeared and are no longer available to talk about what they did with Hunter. It's it's rather eerie. Um, let's talk about CEFC. It's a massive oil and gas company, Chinese, founded founded in 22, uh, 2002. And um, he it's connected to their government there. It's ostensibly private, but most believe that it's it doesn't operate independently of the Chinese government. So what what happened between Hunter and CEFC that your newly uncovered documents, banking documents you've just gotten show us? Well, n- now we have the bank records showing a four point eight million dollar transfer f- directly from CEFC, which was by and large an arm of the Communist Party of China. Uh it is a multi-billion dollar oil and gas company uh, trying to lock up oil and gas uh, contracts all over the world for the benefit of uh, China. Uh, and, and its chairman, uh, Xi Jinping, uh, was 
I had also contacts with the, the People's Liberate, Liberation Army as well. So yeah, less big, big businesses are connected to the Communist Party. There's no doubt about that. So that transfer went into Hudson West 3 and then further was forwarded to Owasco, which again is a company that re- really uh, directly controlled by, uh, by Hunter Biden. We also know that there's a million dollar transfer uh, that went uh, to Owasco uh, for the purpose of representing Patrick Ho, who is one of the managers of uh, CEFC. He was accused of money laundering and bribery. Uh, he was convicted of that. But uh, once he was accused, within uh, literally hours, he called up James Biden, we think probably to try and get hold of Hunter Biden to, to represent him. Uh, Hunter Biden, by the way, is not a defense attorney, uh, put, you know, transferred a million dollars uh, and in another separate. Uh, wait, wait, okay, let me just stop you so that I just want to keep it super easy for everybody to follow. Um, okay, I know you're neck deep in it. In it. Um, so this guy, Ho, got in trouble. Uh, and I know that on the Hunter laptop, he describes Ho as the spy chief of China. OK, so he knew who he was dealing with. So Patrick Ho, the secretary general of CEFC, this Chinese oil giant, he gets in trouble. He finds out he's being surveilled by U.S. law enforcement as a foreign intelligence threat. He winds up uh, getting convicted of bribery and he starts to get scared. The walls are closing in on him. And what does he do? What's the million dollars in the and Hunter as a lawyer? So he first calls up James Biden. We believe he's actually trying to get hold of Hunter Biden. Brother. Uh, in, in, in the end, they, they transfer a million dollars into Hunter Biden's uh, business account. Uh, and the memo on the tra- wire transfer is representation of Patrick Ho. So I don't know whether that uh, business was, had defense attorneys or not, but we know that uh, Hunter Biden is not. But a million dollars is a pretty, pretty good little retainer to uh, act as a defense attirney in a, in a criminal case. Uh, so, again, it's, it's just further connection. As you pointed out, uh, Hunter Biden has referred to him as the expletive deleted spy chief of China. Just like, by the way, now that we know that Devin Archer is a convicted felon, uh, Hunter Biden knew the types of people he was associating with. Uh, I would call them rather unsavory characters. I would view that as people that could compromise a sitting president of the United States. Remember how the news media was so concerned that if Donald Trump had some connection to Russia, they could be blackmailed and that could be such a significant foreign uh, you know, national security threat to America. They, they don't care about real uh, foreign financial entanglements, real compromise when it comes to Joe Biden. It's, it's curious the, the hypocrisy there, isn't it? No, exactly. So, yeah, Hunter's partners in one of his Chinese deal deals were, uh, as you mentioned, Devin Archer, who we heard his name earlier but from you. Close friend, longtime business partner, since been convicted of fraud in a separate unrelated case, although Hunter Biden's name was mentioned. And then um, there's another guy, Bevan Cooney. That's another Hunter friend. He was also convicted in that separate fraud case. And then his other partner in one of these Chinese deals is James Bulger who, as far as I can tell, he's not swept up in this other fraud case that got everybody convicted, but he's Whitey Bulger's son, the the famous mobster. Okay, that doesn't mean he's a criminal, too. But it's not necessarily the people you'd want to bring to your Nana's tea uh, at 4 p.m. Eastern. Um, Okay, so let's go back. So Patrick Ho, Secretary General, big trouble, decides to try to save himself by cutting a million dollar check to Hunter for, quote, representation, even though Hunter is not not only not an oil and gas expert and not a practicing, not not a criminal defense attorney at all. Um, And then this other guy, Yi, Yi Jianmeng. I'm just trying to. He just disappears. He just goes poof. 
Okay, so tell us about him, because he's also at CEFC, this oil and gas company in China with whom Hunter cut this deal, and that people are starting to get in trouble left and right. Okay, Ho gets in trouble with the law and cuts Hunter a million-dollar check, and things go bad with Yi as well, who was chairman of the of the energy company. What Before we get to his criminal trouble, Senator, can you just tell us, like, isn't he the guy who gave Hunter the diamond? I believe that was Patrick Ho. Oh, I can't uh, keep track of all the gifts. Okay. No, no, no. Okay. No, I have ye that ye did it. I mean, that's, of course, what I'm might just have, reading again, my... Again, yeah, it's kind of it, hard to keep track of it. I, I know that's uh, the Hunter had uh, uh, lunch in his, you know, ex- extremely expensive uh, flat or apartment or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talked about that. But what what is interesting is, again, you've had the CEFC, a multi-billion dollar oil and gas company, just kind of cease to exist. There, there may be you know, straggling elements. But, uh, you know, that, that doesn't happen in the U.S. where a, a multi-billion dollar oil and gas company just ceases to exist. And the chairman, again, just disappears, never to be heard of again. Uh, something's pretty suspicious about that. That was well. Yi. OK. And just to uh, round it out for our audience, this uh, my information is this guy Yi. He was the chairman and founder of the energy company. He was a wonderkind of the Chinese energy world. And shortly after Biden left the, the vice presidency, Hunter and this guy Yi met over dinner in Miami. They discussed business opportunities for CEFC in the United States, including possibly a $40 million joint venture to produce liquefied natural natural gas here in the United States. This is according to a 2019 New Yorker report. Uh, based, by the way, on extensive interviews with Hunter Biden. The deal failed, but Mr. He was so impressed, so pleased with young Hunter in their meeting that after the dinner, he sent him a 2.8 carat diamond to Hunter's hotel room with a card thanking him for the conversation. Um, There's a real question about whether that's, uh, you know, a purchase of corruption. He's trying to buy Hunter Biden. Uh, It's not a thank you. It's a it's a down payment on Hunter paving the way for him here in the United States with the help of Hunter's dad. Okay, so then they signed this consulting deal. Hunter's going to be a consultant, again, zero experience uh, for CEFC here in America. Then the CEFC company gets accused of bribery in Africa by the DOJ. And before you know it, people start getting in trouble. Ho gets the, he finds out he's in trouble with the DOJ here. Yi, he gets um, arrested in China and has not been seen or heard from since. They got the, the diamonds in the mail. You got this guy getting arrested and then disappeared. You got the other guy getting um, finding out he's in legal trouble and then paying Hunter a million dollars. These are his buddies, in addition to his American buddies, at least two of whom have been convicted of fraud, uh, who are all over the papers for his companies all over the world. Yeah, Hunter runs around with a nice crowd, doesn't he? It, <laughs> it is important to note, by the way, that uh, Hunter claims he doesn't know what happened to that diamond. Uh, it's also important to note that diamonds diamonds are often used in international money laundering. It's how you do it. I mean, you pass something value. It's, it's uh, very small, very valuable. So it's one it's one of the ways people launder money. Hmm. And what can you just what do you mean launder money in that context? How is that laundering? Well, I mean, laundering money is uh, you know various different things. But when you have a criminal activity, uh, you don't want to necessarily have the money traced from the criminal activity to an individual. So you run it through a bunch of different businesses. Again, I think it's always, I always thought it was very interesting how many different businesses Hunter Biden was involved in. And he just, to me, doesn't seem necessarily like a serial entrepreneur. He sounds, seems more like a serial grifter, uh, serial con man, quite honestly, serial influence peddler. Uh, but that's how you do money laundering. So you try and make sure that the transactions can never be traced to the illegal activity 
to the individual actually directing the illegal activity. And one of the ways you do it is you hand off diamonds. I'm exhausted from all of his attempts to make money off of these foreign companies and cover it up. I mean, it's it's I don't know how this guy who was addicted to drugs and alcohol and dealing with legal problems back at home involving the whole host of his behaviors was able to manage this whole morass. Well, he, he had an expensive lifestyle. He had to fund it some way. And and it sounds like, again, we, we have emails where he's complaining uh, that, uh, you know, he, he, that he had to turn over half of his earnings to his father. Again, I'll another, stand by on that. Wait, another stand little piece of evidence that maybe Joe Biden knew something about this. I want to get into uh, that. I want to get into that in detail. And uh, first, I'm going to take a quick break, but that's where we're going to pick it up right after this with Senator Johnson, Ron Johnson, coming up in one second. Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and whether Joe Biden benefited personally, as opposed to just my son is doing so well and it makes me feel good, whether Joe Biden himself personally benefited from any of this. Let's talk about that. Um, and the the alleged 10 percent uh, conversation. Can can you get into that? What's the evidence that he personally benefited from this money? Well, again, this, I believe, comes from uh, Tony Bobulinski and emails uh, that he or some of the people that uh, uh, might have been involved in that Indian fraud. Again, as, as you said, this, there's so many threads to this. There's so many rabbit holes here. It's kind of hard to keep it all track. But there's a pretty famous email that uh, is apportioning out uh, what percentage is going to go to uh, which of the business partners. Uh, and at the very end, it's uh, 10% to the big guy. And it's Tony Bobulinski that uh, provides testimony that the big guy was definitely Joe Biden. This is so, in China. So again, yeah. Th- th- yes. And so th- this is I think it was probably the, the Sinohawk uh, arrangement. But again, there, there's just so many different deals going on here. It is kind of hard to keep them all specifically keep track of. You know, one, one thing I want to point out, and this is some pretty good uh, reporting by John Solomon's group. Uh, you know, you've got Vice President Biden claiming about 60 million dollars of income uh, when he left the vice president's office. But then in his financial disclosure, he's only showing about three point two million dollars of the assets. How does that happen? Where, where did that $16 million go. Now, he paid some in taxes, uh, some minor donations. But again, this is another indication that something's not on the up and up here. Hmm. The the big guy is said to be Joe Biden. And that's the best proof there is that what Hunter and his business associates, associates which included Tony Bobulinski for a time, uh, were doing was also going to benefit Joe Biden. And that's relevant to us because if Joe Biden was going to get 10 percent from some Chinese deal that had any sort of sketchy ties, it's relevant to know because he's now the sitting president of the United States. Do they have something on him? Did they fund his lifestyle in any way? Like what are what what are the facts? Let's just find out. This is Tony Bobulinski when he spoke out on Tucker in 2020, making very clear that his email referencing oh, it was a press conference after Tucker, making very clear that his email referencing 10 percent to the big guy wasn't was a reference to Joe Biden. Listen. I've heard Joe Biden say that he's never discussed business with Hunter. That is false. I have firsthand knowledge about this because I directly dealt with the Biden family, including Joe Biden. I have also heard that Vice President Biden said on Tuesday that Senator Ron Johnson, the chair of the Senate Homeland Security Committee, should be ashamed for suggesting that Biden family sought to profit from their name. Well, here are the facts I know. 
I was introduced to Joe Biden by Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. At, and at my approximately hour-long meeting with Joe that night, we discussed the Biden's history, the Biden's family business plans with the Chinese, with which he was plainly familiar, at least at a high level. On May 13, 2017, I received an email concerning allocation of equity, which says 10% held by H for the big guy. In that email, there's no question that H stands for Hunter, big guy for his father, Joe Biden, and Jim for Jim Biden. In fact, Hunter often referred to his father as the big guy or my chairman. On numerous occasions, it was made clear to me that Joe Biden's involvement was not to be mentioned in writing, but only face to face. Do we have any evidence that any monies were paid from Hunter to Joe Biden or for any of the from any of the Hunter controlled entities to Joe Biden? I haven't seen evidence of that yet, but you know, Megan, I would contend Tony Bobulinski is a pretty credible witness. And that seems like pretty strong testimony to me. We, we, we were actually going to uh, do a transcribed interview with the uh, Tony Bobulinski, but the FBI, uh, I'll say, convinced him to uh, interview with them first. And I, I, I warned him, said, if you, if you want your information out, don't go to the FBI. That's just going to be a black hole. And quite honestly, that's what ended up happening there. So, you know, pa past that press, that press conference, uh, we didn't get a whole lot more information in terms mm. of eyewitness witness testimony from Tony Bobulinski, unfortunately. Well, you tell me, because this week, you know, we had reports about what's actually happening, because all of this probably should have started with this, but all of this comes under the umbrella for right now. I guess I did kind of start with it of this grand jury investigation into Hunter and how big the investigation is and what the investigation is likely to result in. Uh, it started in 2018. We had somebody on the other day telling us that makes them nervous. 2018, that's a long time ago. You know, it doesn't take four years to get to the bottom of this. So they were saying, I'm not sure this is going to go anywhere. Andy McCarthy, back to him. He says, yeah, tax tax problems. Sure. We saw Hunter Biden pay a million bucks saying, oh, it's just, you know, my little tax liability. I'm going to take care of that. Well, defendants often do that so that they can hopefully stay out of jail. They're trying to curry sympathy with a judge saying, oh, I paid it all back. Don't throw me in jail. But the things that, that the grand jury is also reportedly looking into, money laundering, um, according to Andy, they don't usually, it's really hard to go after somebody for money laundering unless you can show the actual source of the money, i.e. mob activity is from an unlawful activity. And, you know, you're not going to necessarily be able to show that in an American courtroom for Burisma, for these Chinese companies, this oil and gas. I mean, boy, oh boy, that's a big, big bite to chew off or to, to take. Um, then the other thing was um, possible violations of the Foreign Agents Registration Act, but really tough to prove and not really a favorite amongst federal prosecutors. So that brings us back to tax evasion or tax problems. It's not very sexy. And what Andy says, and I wonder if you agree with this, is all of this smacks of grift, the selling of access and political influence and the subversion of public trust and possibly American national interests. But sleazy is not necessarily criminal. And whether any of it is actually illegal remains to be seen. No, I completely agree with that. And those are the terms I've been using about the Bidens for quite some time. Grifters, corrupt, sleazy. It's all those things. It may not be illegal. You know, it may not be illegal to uh, go when your uh, father is vice president or president up to a comp company and have that company pay you millions of dollars for literally doing no work, uh, just hoping to influence something at some point in time. 
there may not be an obvious quid pro quo, but it's sleazy and it is corrupt. In the case of the Bidens, it, it occurs time and time and time again. But Megan, is as sleazy and as corrupt as the Biden uh, foreign financial entanglements are, you know, what concerns me even more is the complicity and corruption revealed in this episode by the media, but also within our federal law enforcement and our federal uh, intelligence agencies. The, the 51 former intelligence officials that uh, engaged in their own information operation by writing a letter that said Hunter Biden's laptop was a earmark of Russian information operation, uh, those 51 individuals, the complicit and corrupt media, they interfered in the 2020 election to a far greater extent than Russia ever could have hoped to achieve either in 2016 or 2020. And I think that is something that is really, that is the biggest overlooked aspect of the story. Mm, they made fools of the, out of themselves. They really did. They made fools out of themselves trying to run cover for Joe Biden, calling this Hunter's laptop disinformation, Russian disinformation, without doing any homework whatsoever. And no one's falling on their sword. No one's apologizing. No one's trying to clean it up or coming out and saying I was wrong. They're In fact, they're just trying to run cover for themselves. Before I get to the laptop, because I definitely, well, that's what I want to talk about next. Um, I was trying to finish a thread on Tony Bobolinsky. You said he went dark on you after getting connected with the FBI. Well, there's a grand jury investigation underway. And there was test there was a report this week that there was a witness who testified before the grand jury about that email, 10% to the big guy and uh, through Hunter. And uh, that witness testified the big guy was Joe Biden. Do we believe that witness was? Tony Bobolinsky? It's a possibility. But again, I, wh whether it's illegal or not, I, I, I am concerned that there's a big buildup here. Though, you know, Joe Biden, Hunter Biden is going to get uh, indicted and maybe Joe's going to be a co-conspirator. My concern is there's a big buildup and then really nothing happens. And then the media can go right back. Hey, listen, we, uh, we admitted that some of the stuff is authentic, but there's nothing illegal, nothing to see here. Let's move on. Mm -hmm. uh, there are all kinds of things to see here, all kinds of things that need to be investigated, exposed. Uh, and again, it has a lot more, you know, it has to do with a lot more than just Joe and Hunter Biden and James Biden and their sleaze. I should correct myself. Uh, the I guess what we know is that they, the email was discussed in front of the grand jury. We don't know exactly what the testimony about it was. Back on the subject of Joe Biden and, and allegedly what he got, um, there's something I understand in off the laptop, I think, a text message from Hunter showing him complaining that he had to, quote, give half of his salary to his father, which I, I guess would be illegal uh, if his father's a sitting politician. This is reported by The New York Post back in 2021. There was a text message from Hunter to his daughter, Naomi, dated 2019, writing, I hope you all can do what I did and pay for everything for this entire family for 30 years. It's really hard, but don't worry until pop, meaning Joe Biden, uh, unlike pop, I won't make you give me half of your salary. Now, there's no direct evidence of such a wealth transfer on the laptop. Uh, but Peter Schweitzer reports that Hunter was paying some of Joe's monthly bills, that he was also paying th for things like renovations of Joe's home in Delaware uh, and more and more other bills that he was playing. Could that be a problem for him legally? It could be a tax law violation. You can give gift individuals uh, a, up to a certain limit. Uh, you also have lifetime maximums, but you have to report these things. 
And if you exceed these lifetime maximums, uh, then you subject to gift tax. If you don't pay it, that could be tax fraud as well. Now, I keep going back to that uh, $16 million earned, but only $3.2 million reported in terms of assets. Uh, Where'd it go? He, you know, again, if he got all this money from, from Hunter, was he squirreling this away somewhere? Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know there are places around the world where you can you know, just stuff money and it just never gets accounted for. Oh, uh, so, so again, that's again just one of those other things that uh, I find suspicious that has never been fully explored or investigated. How do you get more information? If the if the Republicans take control of the Senate, can you get more information? I wish I could say that the congressional oversight was incredibly powerful. Uh, I subpoenaed uh, FBI Director Christopher Ray. He slow walked it. Basically, didn't give a squat. Uh, we we sent letters to Gina Haspel uh, looking for specific information not one page. She wouldn't even return our phone calls. The president pro tem of the Senate, Senate Finance Committee chair, and myself, she wouldn't even return our phone calls to explain why she wouldn't provide us the information that, quite honestly, the president she served wanted her to turn over to us. Uh, so it, congressional, congressional oversight is very difficult. Uh, that's why oftentimes this stuff gets uh, uh, found out either by whistleblowers like Tony Boblinski coming forward or in criminal probes. But the problem with criminal probes is it's all confidential unless there's actually a trial. Uh, mm. And you can kind of understand that if you're being investigated and you're completely innocent, you don't want to, you know, that even uh, made public. So I understand that confidentiality. That's why I've always said that these investigations into political figures, we do it backwards. It shouldn't start with a criminal probe. It ought to start with congressional investigations with real power to be able to subpoena and enforce those subpoenas more effectively than we can now. If we see evidence of illegal activity, we can refer that to the Justice Department, and then they can do their criminal investigations. But what ends up happening, and I've I've lived this now for the last six years, investigating Hillary Clinton, the corrupt uh, FBI investigation of the the Russian hoax, and now Hunter Biden, is that it is incredibly difficult to get information out of the deep state there is a deep state. It keeps its secrets hidden very well. Wow. You know, you're talking about the FBI blowing you off, the CIA blowing you off. And as you mentioned a moment ago, the, the media working in concert with these folks and the Bidens to bury the story. I mean, what was done to The New York Post was absolutely outrageous. It had the story. It had the laptop. It was reporting on its contents and Twitter suppressed its its. Twitter account, the New York Post Twitter account and the other social media giants followed all the mainstream media blacked out the story. It was in advance of the election. There have been polls from people saying they would have voted differently had they known more about Hunter Biden. Who knows whether that's true or not? That's what they're telling the pollsters. And you've got if you look back at what appears to be just blatant lies, of course, by Hunter. But I mean, listen to how Joe Biden talked about this, how he like now that, you know, now people listening to this know about Hunter being on Air Force Two with him and the the glad handing with the Chinese officials and all the money that he was getting and Joe Biden getting some of that money too, reportedly, you know, according to what I just read. Um, Listen to Joe Biden. This is we uh, Benny Johnson had this on his podcast. It was a good mashup. Take a listen. Soundbite three of Biden on the laptop. Fifty former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. 
They have said that this is, has all the four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. This is classic Trump. We have four days left, and all of a sudden there's a laptop. There's overwhelming evidence that from the intelligence community that the Russians are engaged. I still think that the stories from the fall about your son Hunter were Russian disinformation at a smear campaign, like you said. Yes, yes, yes. It's the last-ditch effort in this desperate campaign to smear me and my family. The vast majority of the intelligence people have come out and said there's no basis at all. Boy, he he used that letter from those intelligence officials. I mean, at every turn, Russian disinformation, Russian disinformation. And now that it's been verified by even The New York Times, Nothing from the White House. What they say, Senator, is we refuse to discuss the laptop. Is that good enough? First of all, Megan, just understand what's been happening here. Uh, the Democrat Party, their allies in the media have been using this Russian canard uh, dating back to the hacking of the DNC server. You know, I'm still not convinced that Russia hacked that server. Uh, the FBI never took position of possession of it. That, but that started the whole process. Everybody gets accused of spreading Russian disinformation or any bad news in terms of Democrats. It's all Russian disinformation. Chuck Grassley and I, uh, we, had, we were smeared by senior Democrats who created a false intelligence product, accusing us of soliciting and disseminating Russian disinformation. They had it classified. They leaked it to the press. And we were attacked for a couple months for the sole purpose of undermining our report. We were briefed by the FBI. Uh, for the sole purpose of the FBI and the news media then later being able to leak that, that we were warned. We were warned about Russian disinformation. Wow. Uh, again, this is all very well coordinated, which is why I keep talking about a very deep state. There's much more to the story than just the corruption of Joe and Hunter Biden. This is corruption in our uh, intelligence agencies, within the FBI, uh, within our news media. This is well coordinated. This is something incredibly serious. The American public needs to understand this. It needs to be exposed, but they are very good at, at hiding their secrets. Even today, there was news just today, Ann Applebaum from The Atlantic. Uh, she was asked about the Biden laptop in an event with David Axelrod by a, a college student. And listen to how she handled it. My question is for Ms. Applebaum. Um, so in 2020, you wrote, those who live outside the Fox News bubble do not, of course, need to learn any of the stuff about Hunter Biden, referring to his laptop, of course. Uh, a poll later after that found that if voters knew about the content of the laptop, 16% of Joe Biden voters would have acted differently. Now, of course, we know a few weeks ago, the New York Times confirmed that the content is real. Do you think the media acted inappropriately when they instantly dismissed uh, Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation? And what can we learn from that in ensuring that what we label as disinformation is truly disinformation and not reality? I mean, my, my problem with Hunter Biden's laptop is I think it's totally irrelevant. I mean, it's not whether it's disinformation or I mean, I don't think the Hunter Biden's um, business relationships have anything to do with who should be president of the United States. So I, I didn't find I don't find it to be interesting. I mean, that that would be my problem with the, that as a as a major news story. She doesn't find it to be interesting. 
Senator, because because it's the son of the president. It's not the president. But you know what Anne Applebaum does find interesting? Uh, quote, Tucker Carlson is stirring up hatred of America. Quote, Tucker Carlson's self-loathing international tourism. Quote, the My Pillow guy really could destroy democracy. She cares about the My Pillow guy. She just doesn't care about Hunter Biden and his alleged corruption, which, as we've established, may indeed involve his father. Well, the entire media also had a great deal of interest in a, in a completely made up hoax that Trump was involved with Russia. He wasn't. Uh, you know, the FBI knew full well the Steele dossier contained Russian disinformation. They knew that as early as October 2016, certainly by no later than January 2017. And yet they allowed yeah. the, the Miller, the Mueller investigation to carry forward. That's Christopher right. Ray uh, knew that there, that. The Steele dossier contained that Russian disinformation. He allowed his FBI to brief the Senate Intel Committee in March of 2018 uh, that the Steele dossier had integrity. So, Got it. Megan, there is so much corruption to be uncovered here. It is so well coordinated. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, the news media will take a look at something like a shiny object to d- distract us. This is a massive di- diversionary operation from their wrongdoing. I appreciate you staying on it, and we will do the same. Thank you, Senator Johnson, so much. Have a good day. Stay well. Well, you as well. Up next, Joe Pags. Don't go away. Joining me now is my pal, talk show host, Joe Pagliarulo. We call him Joe Pags. We've got a lot to discuss, including uh, President Obama's triumphant return to the White House after more than five years, not quite as triumphant for the sitting sitting president, and news yesterday that Texas Governor Greg Abbott is going to send buses of migrants to Washington, D.C. He's like, you want everybody coming to Texas? Mm, How you like us now? Welcome, Joe Pags. Great to have you back. Good to see you, Megan. How are you? I'm great. Uh, All right. Let's pick it up where I left it off with Senator Ron Johnson, who I know you've interviewed. And we were talking about Hunter Biden and the news about the grand jury investigating him and the laptop. There's news. It's a Daily Mail exclusive today about a man they're calling a whistleblower who handed Hunter's abandoned laptop to congressmen and gave it to the Daily Mail uh, a year plus ago. His name is Jack Maxey. And they're reporting this guy used to co-host Steve Bannon's podcast. And he is saying that um, Rudy Giuliani gave him the laptop back. I don't know when exactly, but um, Hunter left it at the Delaware Computer Store in 2019. The owner of the store gave it to Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, who passed it on to Maxey. Maxey gave it to the Daily Mail and so on. Copy of the hard drive that is in uh, spring of 2021. And now. This guy, Maxi, has, according to Daily Mail, had to go into hiding in Zurich, Switzerland, working with IT experts to dig out more data from, quote, the laptop from hell. I think that was Miranda Devine's title, Uh, intends to post them all online from the deleted file, everything he could find in a database in the coming weeks, says he's found 450 gigabytes of erased material, including 80,000 images and videos and more than 120,000 archived emails. The guy's in fear for his life right now. I mean, God only knows what the, the stuff that he left on there, Joe, was bad enough. Right. Well, I, I shudder to think what we're going to find in the deleted files. I can't even imagine. I mean, 80,000 more 
photos and you can't unsee them once you've seen them. And I've seen some of them. Thank God. A lot of them were, were edited or censored. I didn't want to see the raw stuff, but what's already on there is so inflammatory. Can you imagine 450 gigabytes is a lot of storage space that there's more stuff that he deleted. And I don't I, listen, the guy, Maxi, if I'm him, I'm going to Zurich too. I'm out of here because we know that there were 51 either current or former intelligence agents, uh, agents or agency, you know, fellows that said this was Russian disinformation. If they're all going to lie about it, they, they had to know they were lying, Megan. If they're all going to lie about it, why would you possibly think that you're safe? I mean, think about it. You've got people showing up at Project Veritas from the FBI at six o'clock in the morning and putting James O'Keefe in handcuffs. What would they do to a guy like this who doesn't have that higher profile? I don't blame him for getting out of there, but I am scared to death about what else is there. But to your point, if we don't see one more image or one more video or one more email about the big guy uh, or text about the big guy, we already have so much on Hunter Biden and his connection to corruption all over the globe connected to his dad's power. You don't really need anything else. Can you imagine what it could be? No, I cannot. I I mean, I have some dark suspicions because there were yeah. inappropriate uh, behaviors on uh, shown on that laptop. I know in front of, for example, his I think it was his daughter who's yes. in her teens. Um not not between the two of them, but I'm saying in front right. of her, I, I just I shudder to think what he might have caught on tape. And, and you know, he obviously has drug and alcohol problems or had drug and alcohol problems. I guess he, he claims he's gotten treatment, but um, none of that will excuse the bad behavior caught on this tape because it goes well beyond that. I mean, it's true corruption evidenced in in Ukraine, in China, in Russia on behalf of a sitting vice president. And then the man who was about to launch his presidential campaign that was successful. Right. And I talked with Senator Johnson about the disgusting, complicit media, the, the total blackout by big tech. I mean, intentional blackout and suppression of the post reporting. Never mind. They didn't pursue it. They stopped those who were pursuing it from even discussing it. Absolutely disgusting. And then here's an example of the media. When Hunter Biden, you may forget, he dropped a book not long after this. He dropped a book and went on a book tour. After the suppression of the laptop stories and people knew it, it was bubbling, a couple of people took a shot at asking him mildly about it. Here was Jimmy Kimmel is one of them and somebody on CBS this morning. Watch this, Joe. Listen to how he handles himself. Was that your laptop? For real? I don't know. I know, but, but you know that's is, this is I really a, don't know okay. if the answer is. That's you don't know yes or no if the laptop was yours. I don't have any yours. idea. I have no idea. So could have been yours. Of course, certainly. It, 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 there could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. There could be that I was hacked. It could be that there was the that it was Russian intelligence. It could be that it was stolen from me. Look, I really don't know. And the fact of the matter is it's a red herring. It is absolutely red herring. But I am absolutely, um, I think, within my, my rights to question anything that comes from the, uh, from the desk of Rudy Giuliani. Um, and so I don't know is the answer. Liar. Liar. Yeah, a huge liar. And, and, and Megan, what, what, when did Rudy Giuliani become the whipping boy? This guy who saved our country after 9-11. This guy who was America's mayor. We were able to do Saturday Night Live again because Rudy Giuliani showed up and said we can. And suddenly he's the whipping boy for Hunter Biden. He doesn't know if it's his laptop. He doesn't know if those are his pictures. Who hacked him? Who stole his laptop? He dropped it off, probably in a drunken stupor, at, at, a, at a computer repair shop in Delaware. And he deleted the, what he thought was the bad stuff before he brought it in and he mm -hmm. left everything else on there. I mean, to go after Rudy Giuliani and, do, and to do so so successfully makes me actually sick because without that guy, without Bernie Carrick after 9-11, I don't know if we heal as fast as we did.
Mm, yeah, you're right. I mean, look, Giuliani's become so controversial because he represented Trump uh, right. with respect to impeachment and with respect to his electoral challenges and so on. Look, right. I get it. That's what lawyers do. Okay, I'm just saying. But look, he's they've they've come after him both guns blazing now, trying to you know take his law license away and so on. Uh, but he chose somebody who was unpopular with the left to deflect yeah. because he's a liar. He's a known liar. I can you imagine if I had him in front of me? There'd be no getting away from me. I mean, like the questions I would have for him, it was so easy to box him in. I'll say right. the CBS reporter, she tried a little. Jimmy Kimmel did nothing. Um, and he was allowed to get away with this, about with his lies. It could have been, I don't know, could have been Russian disinformation. The same thing, by the way, his own dad said from the presidential debate stage. Here's just another walk down memory lane. This is Trump versus Biden on the laptop in a 2020 presidential debate before the election. Listen to this number. Four. So don't give me the stuff about how you're this innocent baby. Joe, they're calling you a corrupt politician. Nobody's President calling you. Trump, I want to stay hell. on the issue of race. We're talking about the, the issue. From hell. 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plan. They have said that this is has all the care for five former heads of the CIA, both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Nobody believes it except the, his and his good friend, Rudy Gianni. You mean the laptop is now yeah. another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And that's exactly be. what, is this that's where you're exactly going? what This is told. where he's going. The laptop yeah. right. is Russia, yes. Russia, Gentlemen, Russia? I want to stay on the issue of race. You okay? have to be kidding. Here Mr. we go President? again with Russia. Oh my God, that clip is so perfect, Joe. The NBC moderator. I want to stay on race. We have to stay on identity <laughs> politics. Do not get off identity politics. I'm virtue signaling here. Why are you talking about something that's actually tangible? You know what I can't figure out, Megan, is whether the media is complicit because they hate Trump or the media is complicit because they were actually in on it. And, and, and this is what I mean. These people, many of them, just hate Trump so much they'll buy any garbage anybody says. There's no doubt in, in anybody's mind who's got a brain that this is Hunter Biden's laptop, that the big guy is Joe Biden. He's getting 50% of some deals, 10% kick up to the big guy on, on other deals. He says he never met the Burisma guys. He didn't even know how his, how his son got the job. Then there are pictures of him playing golf with the Burisma guys. So my question is actually a simple one, and, and you probably will know better than anybody. Were they complicit because they hated Trump, or were they complicit because they got a phone call or an email or a text saying, this is what I need you to do? And, and I can't figure that out. I had no idea that big tech, and you alluded to this earlier, could literally stop me from sending – you and I follow each other on Twitter, right? If I want to send you a, d a direct message back in – October of 2020 with a link to the New York Post story. I literally could not do that. They Couldn't. forbade me from using even the private messaging to spread that story. So what do you think? Are they all complicit or knowingly or just ignorantly? I've got thoughts on that. Let me add one uh, piece of color to that story. Yeah. Right now, if you go on Facebook and you try to set, uh, share the story about Patrice Cullors, the, one of the heads of one of the founders of BLM, buying herself $3.1 million in houses, which is a relevant story because now yes. we find out that her organization bought a $6.3 million house in Los Angeles for, they called it campus. And then they got <laughs> caught by New York Magazine. And then they tried to call the guy who published the piece a racist. Then he came out and said, I'm black. He's talking about black. Um, anyway, I would like to share the story about Patrice Cullors and her $3.1 million in, in homes, but you can't on Facebook because they've deemed it like hate speech. It's harassment of Patrice to talk about her grift 
at BLM. Okay, so the big tech does this on every story that's bad for the left. But I don't and and I can't speak for the intel agencies. Ron Johnson was going after the deep state, you know, CIA, FBI and how and their role in suppressing this Hunter story. I don't know how it works there, but I can say in the media, I don't believe the phone calls made. I don't believe it's necessary. The Democrat politics are so strong. They're the lifeblood of most of these reporters and editors and the people who run the newsrooms in virtually every single case, except for, you know, Fox, Newsmax, the one we're talking about television now. Um, There's no there's no there's no cause. They know what to do. They're, They're well aware of their marching orders and only too happy to fulfill them. A couple of things. First of all, big tech lied to us. They told Megyn Kelly, who's got a huge audience, bring your audience here, put videos up, we'll spread them around. And once you did that, they now have control of the content that your audience that you brought them, bringing them billions of dollars, can see. My people can't see anything. I've got, I don't know, 400,000 followers on Facebook. I think you get 50 you know, um, uh, shares and, and 20 comments on a post that I make. They purposely did that. Bring your audience here. We will spread uh, this, this great information that you're putting on your show. And then they showed nobody, but they have control of what those people can see when it comes to the media though and, and i think you're right i think that phone call and that that text and that email doesn't come it isn't necessary but morally thinking when they go to bed at night uh, and you know a lot of these people what do they think to themselves yeah i lied today or i hit something today or i told the a falsehood today but it gets me to the end which is better for everybody so it's okay is that what they well, think that- that's why Trump derangement syndrome is so dangerous, because right. they really do get into an ends justify the means mindset. And that's why I am never too hard on that core group of Republicans and Trump supporters that believes the election was stolen. I, as a lawyer, did not see evidence of that. I don't believe that yeah. the election was stolen in the traditional sense of like stuffed ballots and so on. I do believe it was rigged. And it's for exactly the reason that we're talking about right now. How can you say yeah. it wasn't when you see the coordination to suppress? a story shortly before the election that was true, that made Joe Biden look bad, his family look bad, that Trump was trying to raise at the presidential debate, but got snuffed out because race, we have to get back to my questions about race, right? Like, I'm never too hard on them because they can see that th- that these entities are against them and that they will do anything to, to justify the, r- the right result, quote, right result. And for those who are, who are wondering what that means, I've seen two studies. One says 10% of those who voted for Biden might not have had they known about the laptop. I've seen one that says 16% wouldn't have voted for Biden had they known known about his son's laptop and his complicity uh, in in this relationship in in Kazakhstan, Ukraine, Russia, uh, China. uh, But they just weren't allowed to know. I mean, 10% is enough. Then Trump wins rather easily. Mm -hmm. Right. And so no one will deal with that. There's no apology from those so-called, you know, intelligence uh, officials, the NATSEC crowd for that 51 person letter they wrote and that was published right. no apology from the media they don't acknowledge that they got it wrong even the new york times when it finally covered the story and what i said at the top of the show i believe was a cya because they know hunter biden's going to be indicted and they don't oh, look like they didn't cover it um they they buried it on page 20 of the a section and they didn't even uh, admit that they had verified the contents of the laptop until the 23rd paragraph that's how they handle it same as same as uh nicole hannah jones in the 1619 project after she Absolutely. got cr- by all those historians who were like, she's an idiot. She's an right. idiot. They just took out their little eraser and quietly started to take down all the stuff about, you know, oh, we were founded because we wanted to preserve slavery. Uh, Megan, you know, New York um, um, media better than probably anybody. I don't know it as well as you do. 
Why is the New York Times the, the be-all, end-all? Why did we have to have the New York Times with some small blurb, as you said, hidden in a story, admitting that this was really his laptop, for everybody, CNN, MSNBC, CNBC, all the networks to say, you know, this really was his laptop. We all knew it the whole time. Why does the Times have that kind of power after Jason Blair, after, after you know, the 1619 Project? Why do they still have that kind of power? It's not 1841. I don't, I actually think the question is, is, more hopeful and better than that. The question is, yeah. aren't we so glad that we now have alternatives to the New York Times, right? Because yes. we all used to be dependent on them. We all used to hold them up. Remember, I used to. Uh, I mean, yeah. even at Fox, it was the paper of record. I remember talking to Britt Hume one time and he was like, I still read it, but I can barely stomach it. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like that was the paper of record. You People went to the New York Times. They gave them exclusive stories. They did in-depth reporting. They sometimes reported even on their own side in ways that were unflattering. And so you, it was like a tough pill to swallow, but you, you felt like you had to swallow it. And now what's so glorious is they've decided to lean into their bias. Trump did that to them. Uh, and they really exposed themselves and all these alternatives cropped have popped up uh, in a way that's wonderful for America. You know, that the beauty of the past 10 years is the lines really are clear now. And you know, when you go to the New York Times or CNN or MS, you are getting spun. And you may like that as a Democrat. Yeah. Great, great. You can make that choice. But there's they've they've they, the, what's, the, what's the word? I'm, they've, they've taken down the veil, right? The veil is down. We now know that they're partisan. They don't get to masquerade as some independent source of journalism anymore. And that's good. But but those do all those newsrooms and those networks that we've been talking about, do they really read the, the New York Times every morning and say, we can go with it now because oh, yeah. we can attribute to the Times? Oh, 100 percent. Yes, really? there's okay. yes, there's absolutely no hesitation. And the Washington Post, too, which is probably worse. Honestly, it's probably worse. During the Trump era, Mr. Democracy Dies in Darkness, Washington Post, got awfully dark when when Biden came. Right. And they yeah. completely sold their souls. They used to be a more nonpartisan organization. They were always a little left, but they used to be more non nonpartisan. Now they've been exposed. So it's good. It's a good thing overall. Um, OK, yeah. let let me move on. A couple couple of other things that I, I, okay. I've got to get to. Um, oh, yeah. This is I will quick follow up put on the media. What do you think? I saw you tweeting about Elon Musk taking over 10% of Twitter. Do we right. think it's actually going to make a difference? The reason why, I, I would have said no a couple of days ago, but when it came out that he called a Seth Dillon from the, from the Babylon Bee, um, that told me something that Elon Musk is a very black and white guy. He said, I'm sorry, you took down my favorite satire Twitter page? I'm going to buy you. I mean, think about the kind of power that is and the kind of right. resources you must have. I love the, Bab the Babylon Bee, he says. He actually sat down and did a long interview with them that you probably have seen. Yeah. And he just really likes the fact that they're using free speech and, and you know, those, those things that we hold dear in this country to, you, to, to, to make fun of, to throw satire at, to, to, to dramatize things. And when they're not allowed to tweet, and I think what they said was Rachel Levine is their man of the year or something. Yeah. Um, when you're not allowed to tweet that, in a free society, and the Twitter CEO, this this Prague guy or Praga, uh, when he says free speech is not going to be an important thing for us on this platform anymore, yeah. um, Elon, I think he will make a difference. But I don't like the whole thing that that came out from Twitter very quickly. We're not going to restore uh, Trump. Don't worry about it, because um, he's the, the the largest stakeholder now, shareholder now, mm -hmm. and I think that he's going to have a say in that. But I do think he's serious about making it what it was supposed to be. It's certainly a publisher now. It decides what you and I can uh, can put on there and what we can't. It's not a platform. Shouldn't get. Uh, Section 230 protections, but I do think he's serious. Just if for nothing else, I think he's th this black and white. Just because of the Babylon Bee, and can you imagine being the being Seth Dillon and getting that call? Hey, it's Elon. <laughs> Are it's you amazing. really suspended from Twitter? Seth it's says so yes. Great. He buys it.
You know I'm what I mean? So I'm delighted that he loves the Babylon Bee, right? It's like, hey, you took yeah. away my favorite satire source. I'm <laughs> I'm going to fix this. You know, like right. they got they got lucky that Elon was such a fan, but he may not be a fan of every single show that's in jeopardy out there. And we need and we don't have that many billionaires on our side. You know, I mean, we do, but actually, yeah, I don't know. They don't usually step in. And I do. But I do like the model of just buying up the existing you know, frameworks as opposed to creating your own because creating our own hasn't worked in every circumstance. But the the reality is, Joe, you know, you, he can't buy Facebook. He can't buy Apple. Right. He can't buy Google. Those entities are too big. Amazon, they're too big. So on those, you know, on, on those fronts, we do need alternative platforms. I do like the fact that like the Daily Wire is trying to fight all this. They're creating their own kids content now because of disney's insanity but again it's a beautiful thing that we know we i'm glad to know Dis- disney is insane i didn't totally appreciate that until i saw the chris rufo revelations well well and i think that the byproduct of all of that is yes the daily wire is doing kids stuff you've got uh, jack pozobic out there doing kids stuff you also have people who are waking up inside disney saying hey <clears throat> the majority of us don't feel this way. The majority of us don't agree with this this agenda that, that they're pushing. Of course, it's boys and girls. Of course, it's ladies and gentlemen. And of course, Walt Disney started this because he thought children needed quality family-oriented, value-oriented programming. Why they would change that now and, and, and do so to, to bend a knee to about 5% of the population doesn't make sense. So you're right. As we get these, these bold stories that really do show up on our faces every single day, no matter what media we're consuming, there are alternatives that start popping up. But one thing, I just have to know if you enjoyed the tweets from Jack Dorsey and, and Paraga after Elon Musk. Oh, we, we're so happy he's here. We're so happy sure. he's on the board of directors. This is wonderful. That won't last. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't think it meant that. Yeah, it wasn't true in the Megan. first place. I mean, come on. <laughs> and I do think, you know, the truth is, it's going to be a massive headache, headache for Elon Musk, too, because what's going to happen is every time they do something that, you know, hurts a conservative uh, or even just right leaning or, you know, uh, heterodox thinker that person's gonna at elon musk like are you okay with this are we you fix this i mean this could become his full-time job and nobody wants this to be elon musk's full-time job he's gonna live to ruin he's gonna have to buy the rest of it if he can just to shut everybody (laughs) up so he has total control um okay wait let's squeeze in a quick break here and then we'll come back because we've got to get into what's happening with immigration i find it very disturbing it's a crisis and it's about to get a lot worse uh and very little is being done about it though there is a push we're gonna have more with joe pags in one second All right, Joe. So um, I know you live in Texas and Texas is feeling the brunt of this immigration crisis, this illegal immigration crisis that Joe Biden has rolled out the red carpet for. I mean, it's it's just the truth. Um, Fox News reporting now uh, their correspondent there saying in Brownsville, Texas, we're once again witnessing the mass release of single adult migrants from federal custody. Uh, This one group he, he was noting dropped off on a bus two hours ago, just left. Several hundred are released here every day. And then another update about the fourth bus I've seen today. First, the women get off, then the men. Uh, they're just releasing folks back back into the United States. That's it. Good luck. Hope you show up for your, quote, asylum hearing. Um, mm-hmm. We're welcoming them with bags and backpacks of supplies. We're calling cabs and buses to take these illegal immigrants anywhere they want. Many of them are giving phones. They're giving phones on fa- federal taxpayer dime. That's allegedly how we're going to keep track of them. And in the meantime... There are reports that the Border Patrol, like down in the Rio Grande Valley, is saying this is who we're managing to arrest. 
Never mind who gets by us. So far, we've arrested MS-13 gang members, cartel members, convicted child rapists, people convicted of murder in Honduras, convicted of attempted murder, several gang members wanted for homicide, and tons and tons, record numbers of unaccompanied children as young as six, one, one year old. There's this is one uh, picture we got. Um, It's got three siblings, two six year olds and a one year old alone with no family present. And we're kind of shrugging our shoulders about to loosen the immigration restrictions even more. What do you make of it? Well, they're, and they're lying about it, Megan. Uh, when Jen Psaki was asked about why you would get rid of Title 42, which is the title that was reutilized, I think it's from the 70s, that was reutilized by Trump to say anybody who's ill, and we're dealing with COVID big time, anybody who's ill can't come in. You have to go back to where you came from. Title 42 made that easy for us to do so. And it is something the CDC has to authorize. But guess who who asked them to authorize it? The president. So Trump asked them, can you authorize it? They said, of course. And, and now Biden and Saki are saying, well, the CDC is making the decision to get rid of Title 42. That's a lie. So what we're dealing with right now is record numbers of people coming across the border. I saw one study recently. I can't cite it. But the, there's an assumption that as many as 10,000 illegals can start coming across the border every day. You add up 30 days in a month, you add up all the months in the year, 3.6 million people coming through illegally. This is on top of our compassionate million that we let in legally every year, which I think should probably be enough. But why why do we keep on adding more magnets, more more enticements for people to come here? We'll give you a backpack, as you said, $600 in food stamps. Here's a free smartphone. And then when Saki was asked about the smartphone, she said, well, this is how we can keep in contact with them. Well, Megan, I don't know. It's pretty easy to throw a phone away and then not have somebody track you. There's no ankle bracelet. There's no detention whatsoever, really, a couple of hours now. And a lot of these people, as you alluded to, are 18 to 40-year-old men. Well, why are they coming here? And, and what is the asylum they're seeking? What, what is the, mm-hmm. the hardship? It's not Cuba. It's not Venezuela. It's not, not China, not North Korea, where they're coming from. They're coming from, like Honduras, because the, the job doesn't pay enough. Or they want a better house. So they hear that grocery stores here are really stocked up. It doesn't make any sense why these policies are happening. I'm a compassionate guy. I live in Texas, though, where we're being overrun. I do like that our governor's trying to do something, but I'm not sure how successful that's going to be. But it's it's worse than you think if you're here seeing it, um, because I'm in the San Antonio area. They'll take thousands of people, drop them off in the central part of San Antonio and say, as you said, have a nice day. Welcome to America. It's very strange. Well, I think it's interesting. Governor Abbott is is going to be putting folks on busloads to Washington, D.C., you know, these illegal migrants. I like I've seen some pushback even from conservatives on Twitter, like, hey, these are not chess pieces. You can't. But in his defense, Washington, D.C. doesn't have to deal with the influx. And these right. are not all great people. You know, there are some criminals who are 100 percent are taking advantage of this lax border policy. And why should the people in, in Texas be the only ones who have to feel the pain? Why shouldn't the people in D.C., all of whom are, you know, lean democratic and support these open borders for the most part, have to feel some of that inconvenience and pain uh, as opposed to just our friends in Arizona and New Mexico and Texas and so on? Anybody who's allegedly conservative who says that we're using these people as pawns don't realize the left is using them as pawns. They're using them to call us ethnocentric or racist or horrible people who don't understand that these women and children need need to have a better life and we have to provide it somehow. Um, the people in Washington, D.C. aren't dealing with this directly. We've got we've got uh, Jerry Nadler, who was yelled at by Chip Roy, my congressman, um, yesterday in the House of Representatives because in committee, Nadler was being a snob about the entire thing, acting as if there really isn't a problem and why aren't we 
compassion enough. You want compassion, go and talk to people who are Democrats who live in the Rio Grande Valley. Go talk to people in Donna, Texas, McAllen. Go talk to people in Del Rio, Texas, where somehow the entirety of Haiti knew where Del Rio, Texas was, and the 30,000 Haitians were waiting under a bridge for a, a week and a half or two weeks until they just disappeared one day and ended up being part of America. These people in Washington are on their high horses. They're on their pedestals. They don't really know what's going on or they don't care what's going on. So, Megan, I'm all for busing these people straight to the Capitol steps or better yet, send them to San Francisco or send them to Delaware. Yes. I wonder what Joe Biden would think about that. I mean, we're, we're, we're not compassionate if we send them somewhere else, but we're compassionate if we let them overrun ranches and, and overrun schools and overrun our, our neighborhoods. And we don't know who they are, as you, as you said. It doesn't make right. sense. And I'm sick of Washington, you know, throwing their noses up and acting like they're on the, high, the, the moral high ground here. They're not. How are they on the moral high ground when, when their policies have encouraged a record number of teenagers and children to arrive without their parents? Where's yep. AOC, right? Where's she now? Because we're heading record numbers of children coming across the border alone. Look at this. Um, we've had almost 100 percent increase in the number of kids coming across the border by themselves since February. We're in March. We're at almost 19,000 of them. We haven't hit highs like that ever. The previous high was 11,861 in May of 2019. Now we're at almost 19,000. Migrants arriving as part of family groups also soared. In January, it was 7,200. In February, it was about 19,000. In March, it was 53,000, more than doubled. They're running across the southern border. We don't have the facilities. We have the cramped detention conditions. Where is she with her little photo op and her little white outfit pretending to be there crying? Oh, she doesn't care now that it's a Democrat politician in the White House. Well, she also lied that women that women were drinking out of toilets. That was a big fat lie that Border Patrol agents were hitting on her because she's so hot. I guess she can't not get on AOC when she's anywhere near you. Everyone hits on her. Duh. So, um, oh, all Republicans <laughs> wanted to sleep with her, too, or something she tweeted about right, when she was that? on vacation Only in Florida criti- without a mask on. Only if you criticize, uh, Joe. If you if you let if you course. compliment her, you don't want to sleep with her. But if you criticize her, <laughs> you want her. You it's, dig her. It's it's bizarro world. You know, Megan, the, the lack of compassion here is clearly on the left. It's clearly on anybody who would make it more enticing to come to America. So send your kid to walk 1500 miles. Send your kid to be raped the entire way. Send your wife to be raped the entire way and pay five thousand dollars per head to come here. That's somehow compassionate. This is a human compassion issue. This is a human trafficking, sex trafficking, drug trafficking issue. Yes. At the border, 100,000 people die per year uh, on overdoses or poisoning. And and this fentanyl is one of the biggest, baddest things. It's all coming from China. And the left wants more of it to come in. I can't figure it out. I really can't. Yeah. Well, speaking of China and inhumane behavior, it's crazy what's happening there right now. I mean, it's truly crazy. So they have this zero COVID policy, which, of course, is a fantasy. And to enforce it, they've been doing all along these draconian lockdowns. But the latest one is next level. Uh, They're doing it in Shanghai, which has 26 million residents, 26 million. I mean, New York City, I, I'm trying to remember, I think it's 8 million people actually yeah. live in New York. And, uh, and when people influx to actually work in the city on a day, it's about 20 million. So it's more than that. Think, think of a city the size of New York, fully loaded with everybody working. Uh, plus, they've been confined to their homes since last Sunday. The BBC reports um, this is the single largest city to be locked down today. People are begging for food. Jim Garrity doing this reporting at National Review. Wow. Ten days after Chinese authorities locked down the city of Shanghai, uh, people are running out of food and medical supplies. They're being 
being met with uncaring resistance, you'll be shocked to hear from the authorities. Uh, drones are now coming outside of people's apartments saying, please comply with COVID restrictions. Control your soul's desire for freedom. Do not wow. open the window or sing. This is reported by The Economist. Um, and they're taking your child. So there was a report about, for example, one child who tested positive being separated from her mother, even though the mother also tested positive. They took the kid. They put the kid in some some hospital, I guess, or some facility where there's they're stockpiling the children. The mother went on the record saying, I have no idea what's happened to her. There have been no photos. I'm totally anxious. I have no idea what situation my kid is in. This is nuts, Joe. Well, it's not only nuts. Uh, I feel for the people that got this video out. We've seen some video where people are on their on their hands and knees uh, submitting to testing. And if you don't stay on your knees, you get beaten up right there in the street. Um, I've been to China. As you know, I, I adopted a baby from China. And, and when there, it's a society it, worse than you can even imagine what it is. And, and I saw what they wanted me to see as an American. But I went online and I Googled Tiananmen Square just to see what the Chinese Google would tell me. And it turns out, Megan, I don't know if you knew this, but one guy died accidentally when a, when a bullet ricocheted off the ground. Oh, now, we on. know that about 7,000 people were mowed down by tanks that day because they wanted freedom. And I guess since then, and even before then, they've been telling people, you have no freedom. We're the boss of you. We control you. I can't imagine. I, I've walked the streets of New York as you have. I can't imagine um, three times more people than you might see on a, any given day in New York. And all of those people are somehow confined uh, confined to facilities or their, their residences. And if you die from starvation, you do. We, we at least stop COVID. It's, it's startling to understand because we, we get this general sense from politicians that we can compare what's happening anywhere in the world to what's happening here. I remember historically and famously, Obama said about some part of Afghanistan, it's a city about the size of Charlotte. Well, yeah, it might be geographically, but it's nothing like Charlotte. And we don't really understand how inhumane many leaders are on this planet. I'm glad some of this video is getting out. I don't know what we can do about it, to be honest, other than you and I being very upset about it and everybody watching and listening being very upset about it. But something on a global scale needs to take place where human rights violations like this are stopped and people are getting to at least breathe, live, eat and be with their families. That's not asking much. I'm sure uh, LeBron James is going to speak out about it soon. I'm <laughs> yeah, I'm going to hold my breath. Okay, yeah, he probably will. I'm waiting. <laughs> you know, um, it's not exactly a parallel, but just as a segue, speaking of too much government control, I'm, I'm very interested in your your railing. That sounds uh, derogatory, but I don't mean it that way, about what's happening to the American car industry and this never-ending push to convert us to electric. You know, I don't want to convert to electric. I have no desire to do that. I don't want to spend that much money on a Tesla, you know, maybe when they get down to some reasonable price and the batteries are everywhere and it becomes just easier, I'll consider it. Um, it's not that I don't care about the environment, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> so I'm with you. I've seen you reeling about it, but for different reasons. Can And, and I kind of liked how you talked about your, your upbringing and so on. Talk talk about it. Tell me about it. Well, I, yeah, I did the monologue on this the other day on my show. My, my dad and I didn't have the best relationship. I don't know what, what the deal was, but uh, we didn't get along that great. Uh, we just saw the world in different ways. But when it came time to fix a car, when it came time to, to change a tire or wrench on the engine, um, uh, that, that was bonding time. I mean, that was my favorite time of my life when it came to my relationship with, with my dad. And, uh, you know, we're Chevy people. I was a 350 Chevy guy growing up. I couldn't wait to one day maybe have a Corvette. I achieved it. Don't tell anybody. But um, at the end of the day, without that bonding, I don't know what that relationship would have been. And we're, we weren't unique. There were kids in the neighborhood who were wrenching with their dads. And, and, I, and back then, I'm born in 1966. Back then, 
that really was the relationship because dad worked three jobs and tried to keep food on the table. And maybe we can go to IHOP once a month, you know, and go uh, go get the Grand Slam breakfast or something. But other than that, there wasn't a whole lot of I'm proud of you, son, or I love you, Joey. It was, hey, get me the 916 socket. And then we would spend four, five, six hours doing something. And I knew that that was that important. And even later in life, once I became a success and started buying my little sports cars that, that I so desired growing up, uh, my dad would not call and say, how's work going? He wouldn't call and say, How's the family? He'd call and say, you know, on that 3.8 liter Buick, when I had the turbo, what should the turbo boost be? And that was him saying, I love you. I'm thinking about you and I miss you. For some reason, the left in this country, and by the way, cars also mean freedom. That The first set of wheels that we got, I mean, I'm sure you can remember yours. I can remember mine. The first set of wheels you got, that meant I can get in the car and go buy some gum and not need mom and dad to be with me. Yeah. Um, it just meant American freedom, the open road. Relationships were built around cars. And I've got a push from people like Pete Buttigieg that I should take public transportation and go buy an EV because buying an EV is easy. And then, and then Joe Biden telling me I can save $80 a month, Megan on gasoline. um, If I just go and buy an EV that costs 50 grand, I mean, it doesn't make sense, but I really do think it's deeper than just this green agenda. I think that there's also a push to take away freedom from our individual, you know, households and families and maybe rely even more on the government. And that bothers me. Mm. I hadn't considered it that way, but you're, you, it feels right to me to listen to you talk about it. And nice. even in my own, you know, background, I we got a used Subaru for my first car. But my best friend Kelly, <laughs> she had a cherry a- apple red uh, Chevy Camaro, and it nice. was amazing. We felt so cool in that car. It was like we could not be seen enough in it. It was used, right. but we couldn't have cared less, right? It does mean something to you. The electric vehicle, I will say the Tesla looks pretty cool and all that. It's just it so inconvenient right now. We, we're not yet built for it with the charging stations everywhere, and we'll probably be there in 30 years, but we're not there yet. And I really don't want to be lectured to by all these people who are driven around all day in their SUVs about why I have to get right. rid of mine and downgrade to an EV, as you say. And why is it one or the other? Well, why can't we have both? It's just like, you know, nuclear energy is great to get rid of fossil fuels or liquefied natural gas is great. Let's get rid of everything else. How about all of the above? What's wrong with me having a Corvette or a Camaro uh, while somebody drives a Model X Tesla? I'm fine with them. I think they're nice little cars. They just don't want one. And Mm -hmm. and, and when I turn the key, Megan, this is going to be sound so uh, Neanderthal. But when I turn the key and I hear blah, 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 that that makes me feel good. I'm like, I'm a red blooded American guy who wants to ride down the road and have somebody look at my little car and wait or give me a thumbs up and I love the the note out of the tailpipe. Why is that bad? Pete Buttigieg hates me for that, which doesn't make any sense. He's literally the opposite of you in every way. (laughs) In every way. That's true. (laughs) He's the anti-Joe Pags. I'm team Joe Pags. Now, he's also the man responsible for the fact that we have to keep putting the stupid masks on our faces uh, when we get on uh, public transportation, in particular, the, uh, the airplanes, which is driving me nuts. And you may have another problem if you get on the airplane uh, run by Alaska Air. Alaska Air has gone woke. Um, what I guess you can no you no longer can say like the female flight attendants have to be in a certain uniform and the male flight attendants have to be in the other uniform. Now they're going to let the men wear makeup and have double pier. Anybody can have a double piercing. I'm looking at the at the new rules. Um, okay, you now have the option. Oh, you can wear personal pro down pins. That's mm-hmm. great. Oh, okay, yeah. you can wear. <laughs> you can wear fing- even if you're a guy. You can wear fingernail polish, makeup, two earrings per ear, a single stud nose piercing, 
Um, and uh, you can have tattoos in several more locations and you have more hairstyle options on Alaska Air. So why do we need this? Megan, what, I just wanted to take me from point A to point B. I don't want anything else. I don't want to really know about your personal life. I don't love you if you're a flight attendant. I, I certainly respect you, but you're not in my family. You don't really matter that much after I get off the plane, as much as I won't matter to you much when I, once I get off the plane, and I shouldn't. Um, the fact that you need me in your private life and your personal life somehow uh, to make you feel better and more secure about who you are bothers me. I want to say this, and, and if people think that I'm somehow out of line, that's, that's up to them. If you don't know my pronouns, that's your problem. I mean, you should be able to tell what my pronouns are. And, and if I use, if you use the wrong pronoun on me, as much as that'll bother me for about two seconds, I'm not going to think much about you after that. I don't know why they can't be secure enough in who they are to live the way they want to live without forcing me to acknowledge them living the way they want to live. That's really the game here. It's not that I want you to call me she and her. It's that I want to be known as she and her, and I want the entirety of the population of the United States and maybe the globe to acknowledge he's a she and her. And if Mm -hmm. they don't, then they're somehow bad. There's something is, there's something a phobe. Fly me from point A to point B. Give me a a Diet Coke or Diet Dr. Pepper when it's time for drink. Um, And then uh, once we get off the plane, if it was a nice flight, I'll thank the pilot. That's it. Why does it go deeper than that? Yeah, I remember, you know, look, from time immemorial, dress codes have been upheld uh, by the law as legal. As long as the you're Supreme Court said so, you're right. It, yeah, across the board. It's like you can't say, oh, oh, the women have to wear skirts and keep their hair neat and the men can right. do what they want. That's not okay. Right. But if you have uniform dress code requirements that, you know, they don't have to be exactly the same, but they have to be, they have to apply in general. Both, both sexes have to have some restrictions or requirements. They're legal. And now they're basically saying, no, it's unlawful to treat non binary people this way. Okay, whatever. Alaska Airs has. Airlines has folded, though I have to tell you with the people who are like in between, like if it's a man who's dressing like a woman and I clearly see he wants me to call him a she, I'll do it. Um, I realize it's controversial, but whatever. Um, it, the people who it's not clear, I I would appreciate a pronoun pin. How many times have you been like, how you doing, <laughs> sir? And you're like, oh, shit. Oh, wait, I'm not supposed to swear. Right? You're like, oh, yeah. And then you're like, oh, I didn't mean to. Anyway, I, I could use a few more pronoun pins in my life. Not not from the people for whom it's clear. Uh, all right. President Obama returned to the White House, Joe Pags. You probably saw this yesterday. He stole all of the excitement. Joe Biden was walking around like looking a little confused. No one would talk to him. He even tried to get President Obama to talk to him and he wouldn't. He put his hand on his shoulder. Nobody Obama wouldn't turn around. And yet they crowded Barack Obama like a rock star. Timmy was looking a little sad and Barack Obama in his little speech kept saying, I, me, my, I, me. It was like, I just... I didn't think he treated Joe Biden well, and I didn't think the crowd treated Joe Biden well. And I thought there's a reason they're not treating Joe Biden well, because Joe Biden, you know, he's I don't Ben Shapiro calls him a houseplant. I don't he's <laughs> just not inspirational. All right. I'll, I'll be kind and say he's not inspirational. What we saw with Barack Obama showing back up at the White House, I think, was very telling. And maybe I have a different take than than you might have. I, I think that it showed the world what we were assuming, that this was Barack Obama's third term. I think without a doubt, we're showing that he's the guy running the joint and that Joe is up there to be sort of the figurehead. And, and you know, Megan, you alluded to something that that really is for me a, a very tough topic. My my grandmother died with uh, with dementia. She had Alzheimer's. And and I, I don't I don't laugh at it. I don't think it's funny. Um, Ronnie Jackson, who was the former doctor at the White House, he's now a representative from here in the great state of Texas, has been on my show. And he said he believes this is this is age related onset dementia. I don't disagree with him. But I also know that Joe Biden was a bad guy almost his entire career. <clears throat> and Joe Biden is a guy that 
I don't respect because of the decisions he's made and because of the stances he's taken. So it's a, it's a hard equilibrium for me. I feel bad for what he's going through. I think his family sucks for, for putting him you know, up even to be the figurehead. But Obama's appearance yesterday at the White House told me clearly that Barack Obama is in charge. And even him, through his narcissism, couldn't stop himself from calling Joe Biden the vice president. And then he said it was a joke. It wasn't. He did that just out of um, out of knowledge in his own head that he's running the place and that Joe Biden is his second in charge. And, and they laughed about it. They gave a fake hug and this whole thing. Barack Obama showing back up and having the people clamoring around him and Joe Biden walking around, the leader of the free world, walking around with nobody even wanted to get to, to say hello to him. That told me a lot. It really did. But but are you like me? You're, you're not, I'm not really sure how to treat Joe Biden because I know his history. I know what a horrible guy he's, but he's been a racist his whole life as well. And he's the big guy on Hunter Biden's laptop. But holy crap, he's going through something horrible. It, it's tough for me. I don't know. I don't, you know, I feel a little uncomfortable watching him, you know, when he can't get his words out and all that. I don't like, yeah. I mean, it makes, feel, makes me feel uncomfortable watching it and then yeah. makes me feel a little uncomfortable making fun of it, though I have. I, I admit I have. Um, but I feel like he put himself in this position. So it's like, you know, you, you put yourself there. You didn't have to do that. There's a reason my mom's sitting in her lazy boy at home. You know, she not, she was never right. going to be the president. But I'm just saying she understands her limitations. She's doing great things. They just don't have to involve being leader of the free world. And his ego was bigger than his capabilities right than his ability to hold on mentally that's not my fault it's not your fault our job is to call it as we see it and we see a man deteriorating and we see a man who i think this is more of an unpopular situation you know we we see the kid at the prom who nobody wants to dance with um including you know his old prom dance partner barack obama who's blowing him off at every turn too he's just not an inspirational figure he doesn't make anybody feel good about the country about him as a leader there are all sorts of reasons for it and look Barack Obama at least did that for the less left. Trump did that for the right. It'd be great if next time around we could find somebody who does that for a wide swath of America, irrespective of their politics. Call me an optimist, Joe Pags. Maybe we can do it. Uh, I, I hope we can. You know, a couple of things. How did you know what happened at my prom? And uh, I would much <laughs> I would prefer your mom as the president. I'll be honest with you. No, I, I think that he's a horrible president. I think that what you said makes a lot of sense. I don't know that he was the one making the decision that, that he should run. I think that he probably uh, wanted to run in 2016. But there were reasons that that we hear that that people were threatening him, like Hillary and that campaign were threatening him not to run or else we're going to expose maybe Hunter Biden's laptop. Who knows? But uh, but no, I, I see what you're saying. He put himself in this position. His family put himself in that position. But to see him wandering around, flailing about, first of all, it makes us look like idiots in this country that he's in the office. But but secondly, it, it, I, I I just I feel I feel like I want to tell the guy, go play Mario Kart with the grandkids again. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't really be in this position. But Megan, did you get what I got? That it, do you think it was Obama's narcissism and just his his self-worth um, that that was on display? Or do you think yeah. that I'm onto something yes. that he might be running some stuff? I don't know that he's running anything. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure he could because it doesn't seem to me that Joe Biden's calling all the shots. But I always assumed it was his team that's making the shots. It's Ron Klain. It's Saki. It's all these other nat security people behind him. I'm not sure that Barack Obama, I think Michelle Obama is like, we're done. We're done. Put the phone (laughs) down. Get back on our gazillion dollar Spotify deal and step away. We'll see. None of them can step away fully. Their egos are too big. Their narcissism too commanding. Joe Pags, always a pleasure. Love it. Thank you so much, Megan. All right. Say a prayer for me because in about an hour, I'm getting my LASIK. Tune in tomorrow to see whether I can still see. Also, Joseph Massey, the poet who I loved, he's coming on, and Dan Wooten as well. See you then. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. 